0: third of four sessions. We have looked at uh, a variety of, of, uh, of things that describe the nature of God and who God is. Throughout the scripture, you could probably come up with more than twelve, uh, but but these twelve that we're looking at, I'm, we're trying to kind of to throw in everything we can to uh, talk about who God is by studying the nature of God. So, let's pray and then we will jump in. Father God, we come to you tonight. We thank you for your good word, and I pray that you'd be with us, that you would help me to preach and teach here in a way that brings glory and honor to you. I pray that, God, we would learn who you are, and in, that in learning who you are, dear Lord, that we would serve you better. Dear Lord, we want to know you, and, uh, and we want to we wanna do what you say, and we want to we wanna enjoy your word. So I pray that you would help us to do that tonight, and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so a quick recap of the six that we've looked at so far. We've talked about the fact that God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. We've talked about the fact that God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He knows all things. Last week we talked about the fact that God does not change. So the God of the Old Testament is no different than the God of the New Testament and no different than the God of all eternity. Uh, we talked about that God is holy. He is set apart. He is unique. He is unlike any other. There has been none before Him, and there will be none after Him. Uh, he is eternal, and we will talk about that next week, Lord willing. We also talked about the fact that God is sovereign. Uh, the best way, maybe, for us to understand that is He is the King. Uh, we don't see that so much in our culture today. That there's one one King that's over everything, and what the King says goes. But that's the best way for us to think about God when we think about the fact that God is sovereign. And so whatever God says goes, he is the king, he is right in what he says, and the laws that he establishes or the commands that he gives or the punishment for sin, whatever it may be, and all that God does, he is sovereign. And so we must not question God because he is the authority. So those are the first six things that we have looked at over the last two weeks. And tonight we are going to look at three more things. All right, let's look at briefly at the ones we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the fact that God is just, God is merciful, and God is gracious. Now, these three things here are are seen for us all throughout the Bible. These things are pretty clear. So let's first look at the fact that God is just. What does that mean? God will always execute proper judgment in a way that is moral and fair. Now when God is just, that means God is right in all that he does. As the scripture says, no one can say of God that he is unfair. Now when we talk about the fact that God is just, You can also throw in here that God is a God of wrath. We talked about that in our Sunday school lesson this morning. Uh, Justice, when justice is served and there is evil done, sometimes what is just is for wrath to be poured out on the one that is deserving of wrath. And so when we think about justice, uh, that includes the wrath of God in some way, shape, or form. And so... Uh, we'll remember that, and we might talk about that briefly before we finish. But the first thing tonight is that God is just. And as we have done the last two weeks, we will look at five scriptures that talk about these different aspects of God's nature. All right, first scripture is found in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 8. For I, Yahweh, love justice. I hate robbery and injustice. I will faithfully reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. Now, we're not so much worried about the context of what's going on there for the purpose of this study, but we are concerned with what God says there in the first half of that verse. For I, Yahweh, our God, love justice. Okay, so it's clear to us from Scripture by God telling us himself that he loves justice. But he also says what? I hate robbery and in justice. Now, we see time and time again through Scripture that God commands His people to be just, to do what is right. Now, this is a big topic for us in our, in our culture today because we hear the term uh, social justice. You have heard that term a thousand times over the last couple of years. But many times, what we see in our culture that's referred to as social justice is in all <laughs> actuality what God would call injustice. Now, what God would say is just and what the Bible would say is just is that you are rewarded properly for what you have done or, or you uh, face consequences, proper consequences for what you have done. But that's not what our world says today. Oftentimes, what our world wants to do is unjust. Now, God would say to the one who works, they eat, and the one who does not work, they do not eat. Now, that's what we see in the New Testament, Paul tells us that uh, in, in the New Testament writings. And this is the idea that we see throughout Scripture that God is just. But, but in our culture today, there are many who work, but those who don't work, it is taken from those who work and are given to those who do not work. Now, the Scripture would call that an injustice, the thing that God hates. And so we see all these ideas today that people say, well, I'm being treated unjustly. They'll go to work at, let's just say McDonald's, that's a popular example, and they went to work there, and they were told, we'll pay you $12 an hour to work here, and they agreed to that, that wage, and then suddenly, you see a lot of McDonald's workers saying, well, we're not working unless we get $15 an hour, and you give us that or else. doesn't matter if we've earned it, it doesn't matter anything else other than we want it, and you give it to us. Now... Jesus talks about such things in the New Testament about how when you, when you agree to work for a wage and that is the wage you work for. If you've agreed to work for $12 an hour and you have been paid $12 an hour, there is nothing unjust or unfair about that. But many times in our world today when discussions of social justice come up, those are the types of things that say, oh, well, you're not, you're not being right, you're not being fair. Well, in those instances, nobody was told... We'll come in here and we're going to work you to death and we won't tell you what we're going to pay you. No, we make an agreement. And as the scripture says, sometimes we swear to our own hurt. And so that might be an example of justice or injustice that we might not think of. We may typically think of justice or injustice as punishment for some crime. And that certainly is the case. But as the Scripture tells us in Proverbs, that you should never show partiality to the rich or to the poor, either one, just because of their status. You are to be, you are to be fair either way it goes. If the poor person has done wrong then they suffer the consequences for that wrong. Then justice is served, If there's penalty to be served. If the rich person has done wrong, then they don't get off the hook simply because they are rich and the poor person doesn't receive extra compassion because they are poor. There are laws, there are rules, there are rights, there are wrongs. And if this person does this wrong, then these are the consequences for that. So God says that's justice. But injustice is when you show favoritism to one or the other because of a group that they're associated with or because of their, their, their status in society, because they are rich or poor or whatever it may be. And those things are an injustice. So God is a better judge than us, praise the Lord, because we don't do a very good job of being just. We, 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 we fail at that as human beings so many times. And so so many times what the Bible would call justice the world would call injustice. And what God would say is, is unjust, the world would label as social justice or justice in some way, shape, or form. But what we learn of God is that He is a just God. Therefore, no sin will go unpunished. That is what it means that God is just. All right, let's look at the next passage. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. Therefore, the Lord is waiting to show you mercy... And is rising up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a just God. All who wait patiently for him are happy. So praise the Lord that God does show compassion, but ultimately God is just. Now he talks about mercy there, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. God is patient, God is compassionate, but God is still just. God is merciful, God is gracious, but God is still just. Now, we would like to talk about mercy and grace. Those are great to talk about. We don't really like to talk about justice too much because justice says, look, there are consequences for when wrong is done. And so we don't really like to talk about that much maybe in our life. Our world may not like to hear that very much if we read God's Word or we try to say something about God's Word. We don't really like to hear about the justice of God. We like to hear about the grace of God. Uh, But the fact remains... Time and again throughout Scripture we are told that God is just. We are shown that God is just. Now God can be both just and grace, and He indeed is. But one does not cancel out the other. Both of these things, justice and grace, are both part of who God is. They're both part of the nature of God, the character of God. And so when we talk about who God is, we have to talk about all of who God is. We talk about His justice. And that should bring some fear to us because... When God judges justly, it's often a pretty scary thing, as we see repeatedly throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. All right, our next passage that we're going to look at tonight is Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4. Coincidentally, we just referenced this, it hadn't been too many months ago when we were going through the Psalms. Uh, and, and I told you this would be a good chapter to read if you want homework because repeatedly in there God is referred to as the rock. You may remember when we talked about that. But uh, nevertheless, that's that's not really relevant for here, but I still would tell you it's a good chapter to read. And we also referenced this, this morning too in the sermon. Uh, the rock, his work is perfect. All his ways are entirely just. A faithful God without prejudice. He is righteous and true. So, God is perfect. We, we know that. We see that through the Scripture. But what does it say? His ways are entirely just. He's faithful and without prejudice. Now, God can do that. It, it, it might be hard for us to do that. We may have, we may have some prejudice. We may, we may not always judge properly. But God will always judge properly. And so if we see a passage in Scripture where God has shown his justice and he has brought his wrath or he has brought judgment on somebody it's not that god is just going around saying i'm looking for somebody to smite who can i find that's not the god of the bible we see do we see sometimes that god brings his wrath on people and carrying out justice we certainly do see that but when god does that god's not just doing it for fun He's doing it because it is right to do so, because something, a crime has been committed, a sin has been committed, and there is a proper punishment for that, that God will ultimately uh, bring wrath upon or bring judgment upon because he is fact. And so he doesn't, he doesn't have any prejudice. He doesn't have any favoritism. You may go into a court of law today, and, and there may be some favoritism towards you. Or you may be on a jury and perhaps you'll be tempted to show favoritism to somebody else. But we have to look at at the facts before us. And we take skin color, we take social status, we take wealthy or poor, we take all of those things and we throw them out the window. The facts are, okay, Here, here's what was done. Is this right or is this wrong? If this is right, then Hey, this person is innocent. They're set free. If this is wrong, what is the proper punishment for that? And so sometimes there are poor people who are punished for doing wrong. Sometimes there are rich people who are punished for doing wrong. Sometimes, however, we may show favoritism and prejudice and say, Well, you know, they're poor. They might not have much going for them. And what they did wasn't so bad, so we're going to let them off the hook. Or maybe we we are easily tempted by the idea of perhaps... Some bribe from the rich person. Well, if they find out that I was on their side to help them get off the hook, then maybe I'll get a little bit in return should that come, come to be. That's not justice. That's injustice. So we want to follow God's example there and seek to be just without prejudice and without being tempted to take a bribe or seek our, our, own, uh, our own betterment through some decision we may make. We, don't, we want to seek to, to be just. All right, next passage. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 3. Doing what is righteous and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Now, this idea we see throughout the Scripture. Sacrifice was a big deal for God's people in the Old Testament. God told them they had to offer sacrifices. It was the blood of those sacrifices that, on some level at least, atoned for their sins. But what God always wanted, more than anything... Was for people to do what was right. For people to love him. For people to follow his commands. For people to seek him. And for people not to just offer sacrifices. But so many times in the Old Testament. People just offered sacrifices. And God said you're missing the point. If you don't really love me. If you don't really have a desire to follow me. If you don't have a desire to do what is righteous and just. Then don't. What's the point of offering sacrifices. We've, we've totally missed it. Now. In in offering those sacrifices, there should have been some acknowledgement that God is good and we need to offer sacrifices to God, perhaps in praise or worship, perhaps for forgiveness of sin. That is speaking of the Old Testament uh, folks. But, but, But what did God want more than that? He wanted them to do what was right and he wanted them to be just. And time and time again, he reminds them of that truth. And they didn't always do that. They weren't always just. And so. We want to make sure that we do better now. Praise the Lord! We don't have to offer sacrifice—at least not uh, in in the way that they did. Praise the Lord! Jesus Christ has become the ultimate sacrifice, but that does not that does not keep people sometimes in our world today from trying to offer some sort of sacrifice, perhaps. The sacrifices we offer are, oh, well, I go to church, or I put money in the plate, or I dress a certain way, or I do a certain thing, or I've done a certain work, or I've gone on X number of mission trips, and perhaps those are the things that we do, the sacrifices that we're giving to God, thinking that those things are pleasing to God, but maybe we need to answer the question for ourselves. What does God want from us? He wants us to be righteous, and He wants us to be just. Okay, so maybe you're doing a lot of good things, but are you being righteous, and are you being just? Well, if we're not, then the works that we do and the sacrifices that we make are no better than the ones that are being spoken of in the Old Testament. All right, one more passage here in this section. Micah chapter 6, verse 8 says, Mankind, he has told you what is good and what it is the Lord requires of you, to act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with your God. Now, that's a good verse. If you say, what does God really want us to do? Well, that verse sums it up pretty good. He has told us what is good. And that is that we act justly. The first thing on the list is to act justly. Love, faithfulness, and walk humbly with your God. Now, if we did those three things, we'd be in pretty good shape if we didn't read another passage of Scripture. There's enough instruction in there for us to consider and for us to live by. So just a reminder, okay, God is just. But then we also see that he commands us to be just. So this is part of God's character. God is just. That is, if there is sin that needs to be punished, then sin will be punished. God will never allow sin to go unpunished. There is no sin that God will sweep under the rug. God will deal with sin. And so that is an important thing for us to remember. As we see these things in the Old Testament and we see them, how, how they are, are, are carried out in the New Testament. So to sum up, when we say God is just, as a just God, God could not allow sin to go unpunished. That's basically what God's justice is. Now, I have used this illustration many times. I've worn it out. But it's I believe it is the best illustration For describing when we talk about the fact that God is just and merciful and gracious. Uh, And that is this. Let us imagine that we are in a court of law, and you have committed a crime. And whatever that crime is, the sentence for that crime is 10 years in prison. And you go before the judge, and the judge says, Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so, did you commit this crime? And you say, yes, judge, I have committed this crime. And the judge says, well, the law states that the punishment for this crime is ten years in prison. Therefore, I sentence you to ten years in prison. Now, that is justice. Can we say of the judge that the judge is unfair there, that the judge has acted unjustly? Absolutely not. The law is stated you have broken the law, and it is stated that if you break this law, that this is the punishment for that. Therefore, you have, you have forfeited your right. You may have had a right to do this or a right to do the other, but sometimes when we, when we break a law, in a sense, we are forfeiting our right. And when justice is served, then therefore our right to freedom may not be given to us anymore because for punishment to be carried out, for the sentence to be carried out, We serve 10 years in jail. Now, that is justice. We see many times today. Now, that's not to say that sometimes juries don't convict the wrong person or sometimes judges aren't crooked and and sometimes they don't make the right decision. I'm sure sometimes that that's the case. But let's give judges and juries the benefit of the doubt and say that there are plenty of occasions when a a crime has been committed and the right punishment has been given to the one who committed the crime That is justice. There is nothing wrong with that. That is what God calls us to. But when you begin to to avoid justice and deny justice and allow those who are guilty to go unpunished, then guess what's going to happen? There's going to be major problems. You can look at any society in the world. If they do not punish their criminals in some way, then there is trouble. And I would venture to say that that's easy for us to see in this country. And so justice is necessary. It's not good, or not good in the sense that we don't like it. You know, it's painful. Let me rephrase it. Justice sometimes is painful, but it is good in that, okay, I know that there are consequences to my wrongdoing, therefore I better not do wrongdoing. But in a society where there is no justice, there is no consequences for wrongdoing, then why would we desire to do good? And so when the Bible says that we should fear the Lord... Well, that's part of why we should fear the Lord, because the Lord is just, and He will not allow anything to go unpunished. Therefore, we need to remember that so that we can seek the grace of God and not the wrath of God. All right, let's continue on into the next section. God is merciful. Okay, this one's a little better, right? Justice is pretty tough, thinking about wrath. And consequences, We don't like that, but we need to hear that. We need to be reminded of that. But the fact that God is merciful, whew, that's good. That gives us a sigh of relief, and it should. If we, if we have some fear by the fact that God is just, that's a good thing. But then when we realize that God is merciful, well, that's a good thing too. That gives us a little bit of hope. And so when we say that God is merciful, we mean this, or I mean this. God does not always give us what we deserve when we deserve it. Now, we see this time and time again in the Old Testament. Now, if God gave us what we deserved when we deserve it, we wouldn't be here. Because God would have just struck us down the first time we've sinned because the wages of sin is death. But time and time again, especially when we look at the Old Testament, and I say the Old Testament because we have a lot bigger span of time to look at. We have thousands of years that we're looking at in the Old Testament, 4 or 5,000 years. And in that time, we have lots of examples of people that just do evil after evil after evil, whether it's God's people or whether it's the surrounding nations. And God is patient for sometimes hundreds of years before bringing judgment on these people. Now that is mercy, because what what our sin deserves is death. What our sin deserves is punishment. And should God bring that punishment instantly... God is right to do so because that is the just thing to do. So God would not be wrong for bringing his wrath and bringing punishment on those who deserve it the moment that they have done wrong. But praise the Lord, more times than not, God does not do that. God many times gives people years upon years upon years as individuals, and he gives nations sometimes perhaps hundreds of years of doing what is wrong. So he's a pretty patient God, and in that patience, is God's mercy. That is, He does not give us what we deserve when we deserve it. Let's look at that in the Scriptures. Alright, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay, praise the Lord. We have a hope of a better resurrection. We have a hope of a better future. And why do we have that hope? It's according to his great mercy. Because God is merciful, he did not just strike us all down. He is patient with us. That's part of God's mercy. With mercy comes patience. You have to have patience to continue to be patient with people who continue to sin. Now, I would say tonight of myself, and perhaps some of you would say so, praise the Lord that God has been merciful with me. Because there are plenty of times that we, well, there are no times that we deserve anything from God. But regardless of what we deserve, He is merciful to us anyway. And so we can rejoice in that. And where does that mercy come from? Where does the hope of that mercy come from that we can sit here today and rejoice in that? It comes through Jesus Christ and Christ resurrected. All right, let's look at the next verse. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with the Messiah, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. Now we'll get to grace here in just a minute. But what does it say of God? It's important for us to remember. He is rich in mercy. What else does it say? He had a great love for us. And we'll talk about love next week. So God is great in mercy. He is great in love. And why is that important? Because we were made alive with the Messiah even though we were dead in trespasses. Now Romans chapter 5 speaks a lot about that too. That might be some good homework for you this week if you're looking for something to read. While we were still sinners, Romans 5 says, Jesus died for us. Now, we had done absolutely nothing good before God that that we deserve that Jesus would say, I am going to take this beating and this punishment and this mocking and this crown of thorns. I'm going to take it all because all of that group sitting in Enterprise Baptist Church on July the 16th, 2023 is, is so good that they deserve it. That is not why Jesus did it. Jesus died on the cross knowing full well that we were sinners. And while we were still dead in our trespasses, while we were still enemies of God, Romans 5 tells us, Christ died for us. And why? Because God is rich in mercy. you got to have a lot of mercy and a lot of patience to put up with somebody like me. But yet God does it all the time. He puts up with the worst of the worst of the worst. And oftentimes, he finds a way to use them. He changes their life. He transforms them by his grace. So praise the Lord. God is rich in mercy. And he doesn't give us what we deserve when we deserve it. But he is long-suffering. He is patient. He bears with humanity. And that is good news. All right. Let's look at the next passage. Lamentations 3.22. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. For his mercies never end. Again, this is repeating the same things that we have talked about up to this point. God is faithful in love and for that reason we do not perish. Now when you love somebody, you will put up with a lot from that person. Now it would be easy for us to say, wow, you know, that person's my enemy. I don't care anything about helping them. Yet, as we just said in Romans chapter 5, while we were still enemies of God, God still loved us, even in that status, which makes it pretty incredible and important for us to remember when Jesus says, love your enemies. Is that not what God did for us? If we say, I can't love my enemy. Well, hold on a second. If you can't can't love your enemy, are you sure that you've experienced the love of God? Because that's what God did for us. Now, we might like to think a little better of ourselves than we are and say, well, I mean, I might be kind of bad, but I'm not an enemy of God. I'm not as bad as some people. But the fact of the matter is, we are in our sin, we are enemies of God. But God, in His faithful love, does not allow us to perish. Why? Because His mercy is great, and His mercies never end. Praise the Lord. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we will experience the mercy of God for all of eternity. Alright, one more passage here. or No, excuse me, two more passages here. Uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 36 Be merciful just as your Father also is merciful, okay? So just as the last, we talked about justice and all of these things. We see that these things are true of God, but then there's also a call for us to live in this way. And so if God is merciful, then we are called to be merciful. Now this may require a lot of prayer and a lot of help from the Lord because we may instantly say somebody did me wrong and I'm going to do them wrong back. Now there may be some times that, that, that justice needs to be served, that we would not be right in and, and, and acting in some way if some wrong is done and, and dealing with that in the proper way that is just. However, there are certainly times that we have received mercy and there are times that we need to give mercy. So somebody might do you really wrong, And they may not be deserving of that mercy. But that's the good thing about mercy is that, hey, God gives us mercy and we are called to give mercy to others. So that's a good command for us. A hard command, but a good command. All right, last passage. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us. ...at the proper time. Okay, so we're talking about the throne of grace. We're going to talk about grace here in just a second. So we approach the throne of grace with boldness. Now, we have to come boldly before the throne of grace... ...because to think that we're going to go before God... ...and that we're going to ask Him for things... ...that we're going to seek Him for forgiveness... ...that we're going to seek to receive His mercy... ...I mean, we have to be pretty bold to do that... ...yet God in His grace wants us to come before Him... ...and ask for those things... So we come boldly before the throne of God so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at the proper time. Now there are certainly times that we, we need help in this life of sin. And we receive that from God who is merciful, who desires to give us mercy and grace. Alright, so when we talk about God being merciful to sum up, in mercy we see God's patience. He is slow to give us what we deserve. Praise the Lord of that. So let's go back to our courtroom. The judge is there and you have committed a crime that, that is deserving of a 10-year sentence. And the judge looks at you and says, You have committed this crime and the proper sentence for this is 10 years, but I'm going to wipe your sentence away. I'm going to let you go. Now that's mercy right there. And perhaps there are times that, that judges do that for some reason or another. It's not that a crime was not committed. It is not that the person by the letter of the law was not deserving of whatever penalty was supposed to be doled out. But the judge says, I am not going to make you pay this penalty or maybe pay all this penalty. Uh, And maybe you deserve 10 years and the judge says, I'm going to give you five years. That's, That's mercy, not giving you what you deserve. And so god is merciful to us not giving us what we deserve when we deserve it but god ultimately will give people what they deserve now we talk about the mercy of god and god is long-suffering both to those who seek him and those who reject him to those who put their faith in jesus christ and to those who do not put their faith in jesus christ I believe it's fair to argue that probably every person that's that's ever walked the earth has received God's mercy in some way. Okay, So if we all receive God's mercy to some extent, the question is, what comes after God's mercy? There's one of two things that's going to follow the mercy of God. And that is either going to be the wrath of God or the grace of God. Those two things are going to follow. So so you may be here today and you may be living in the mercy of God in that God has not struck us all dead, even though that's what we deserve. But even if we are living in mercy today, there's there's coming a day that, that God will have to deal with our sin in some way. He cannot allow that sin to go unpunished. And so how is he going to punish that sin in your life? Well, A... You're going to suffer the wrath of God personally because you have sinned against God and therefore you will pay the consequences of that. And God is just and right in doing that. The wages of sin is death, the scripture says. However, if we are living in God's mercy and we recognize the mercy of God and we recognize that, wait a minute, God desires to give us something even better than the mercy that he shows in giving us grace through Jesus Christ Then there's good news there because once we put our faith and trust in jesus christ then jesus has taken the punishment that we deserve so that we can receive the reward that only jesus deserves and so for those of us who have sinned in jesus christ it's not that our sin is not dealt with no our sin has been dealt with and anyone who would put their faith in jesus christ their sin has been dealt with if they trust in jesus christ God's wrath has been poured on Jesus in that sense when he was, when he was crucified on the cross. But for those who do not, do not seek the forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ, then they will be left to pay the consequences. And so if we're all living in mercy, the question is, when this life is over, what are we going to experience? The wrath of God or the grace of God? Well, the answer to that question depends on if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ because that is the grace of God in its fullest. Alright, speaking of the grace of God, let us move on to the fact that God is gracious. God is gracious. Which, to sum up, means God desires to give us more than we deserve. Praise the Lord. Because what we deserve are the wages of sin. Okay, so, so a wage is something that is earned. If you go to work, and you work and you work and you work and at the end of that week your employer gives you money then then what does that mean that's that's a wage because that's something that you've earned a wage is earned okay so the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life now notice that it doesn't say in that passage that the wages of of god are eternal life nope wages are what we earn okay so what have we earned we've Through our sinfulness, we've earned a life separated from God. We've earned the wrath of God. That's what our works, that's what our wages have earned us. But praise the Lord, God does not desire to give us our wages that we have earned, but instead he decides to give us something over and above and better than what we have earned. And we call that grace. Okay? So let's look at a few different passages here. First one is in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. Okay, so if we're going to be saved from our sins, it's not going to be from our works. It's not going to be from what we have done. It's going to be from what Jesus Christ has done. We are saved by grace. It's grace because it's a gift. It's not something that we have earned or deserve. It's something that God says, I'm going to give it to you because I love you. And because Jesus Christ uh, gave his life for you, that makes it possible. He has taken your wrath so that I can give you freedom and grace through what he has done. Okay, so this is not of ourselves. We cannot earn grace. There would be some that would teach that we earn God's favor. There are many that seek to earn God's favor through their works. We work if we have put our faith in Jesus Christ because that's what God calls us to. We work because we have been saved. We do not work to be saved. Now, if we have been saved, there should be works in our life. If there are no works in our life, then we need to check ourselves. If there's no fruit that's being produced there. But we just can't say, well, I'm just going to do a little bit more work for the Lord, and that's what's going to save me. Nope. Our works are going to get us nothing. The wages of our works are death. But the gift of God, the grace of God, that is what we do not deserve, gets us eternal life. All right, let's look at the next passage. Romans chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. In the same way, then, there is also the present time. at the present time a remnant chosen by grace. Now, if by grace, then it is not by works, otherwise grace ceases to be grace. Now, that's an important verse. Grace is not grace if it is earned. The whole definition of what grace is is it's something that is not earned. So we have not earned a single thing. If, if, if our salvation that comes through Jesus Christ was earned, then we wouldn't call it grace. I don't know what we'd call it, but we wouldn't call it grace. And that's the point that Paul is making here. Grace does not come from works. It is a gift from God. And if it did come from works, then what would be the point of Jesus? There would be no point if we could, we could earn God's favor apart from Jesus. But we cannot. And so we need that grace. And so grace is grace because it is undeserved. Alright, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. Now praise the Lord, God's grace overflows to us. But for what purpose? So that if we are living in the grace of God, that in every way, always having everything we need we excel in every good work. Okay, so if we've received the grace of God, it's overflowing in us, then that should be what drives us to do the good work of God. Again, we just saw in the last passage, our grace does not come from work, but if we have been saved by grace, it should lead to works. All right, next passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. But by God's grace, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not ineffective. However, I worked more than any of them, yet not I, but God's grace that was with me. Now, Paul says here, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now, we could probably all say amen to that tonight. By the grace of God, we are what we are. Because there are probably things that we have done in our life that God should not have had mercy on us, that God should not have been gracious to us, that... If God would have just let us go on our way, we would be in a bad shape right now. But through it all, somehow God was gracious to us. And by God's grace, we are what we are. God has made us who we are. That's what he did with Paul. Paul was a bad dude before he uh, uh, came to faith in Jesus Christ. Through the grace of God, he became what he has become. And what does he say? That God's grace toward him was not ineffective. So he realizes how great that grace is that God has given him. And because God has been gracious to him, he is doing the work of the Lord. So if we've received the grace of God, then we need to ask ourselves the question, are we being effective for the kingdom of God or are we being ineffective for the kingdom of God? Perhaps we're being very effective. Perhaps we're living the way that God calls us to. Perhaps we're living in that grace. And, and following the will of God, or perhaps we're not. What does Paul say here? I work more than any of them. I believe he's speaking of the other disciples or apostles here. But he says, yet not I, but God's grace that was in me. And so it was the grace of God that was, that was driving Paul to work hard and to be effective for the kingdom of God because he realized just how good the grace of God was. John chapter 1 verse 16 Indeed, we have all received grace after grace from His fullness. So, reminded again, we receive grace from God. We receive grace through Jesus Christ. Grace after grace. There's a lot of grace. Now, those are the passages that we love. Yes, we love it. We love, we don't like the, the justice necessarily, but we like the grace, the grace, the grace. And praise the Lord, that is, that is great. That is what we come for, to know that through Jesus Christ there is forgiveness of sins and there is grace to be found in Jesus Christ. But that is only one aspect of the nature of who God is. God is also just and we cannot forget that. Another passage for us to consider, it's not on the screen or your paper, but John chapter 3 verse 36, the one who believes in the Son has eternal life, but the one who refuses to believe in the Son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him. It's a good passage for us to remember. That we receive grace through Jesus Christ. Should we accept Jesus Christ, we receive grace. Should we reject Jesus Christ, the wrath of God remains on that person. And so when we speak of grace, to sum up, when we say that God is gracious, we are saying that through grace God has placed our punishment on Jesus So that Jesus' righteousness could be given to us. And so this is not something we have deserved. It's something that has been paid for. Justice had to be served. There had to be punishment for our sin. That is why Jesus had to die on the cross. If God wasn't a just God, if that wasn't part of who God is, then Jesus wouldn't have had to die on the cross. You could say, well, why doesn't Jesus, or excuse me, why did not God just give grace? He could just give grace and and forgive us of all our sins and not have to worry about it. Well, God could do that if He was just a gracious God. But He is not just a gracious God. He is also a just God. And part of being just means that sin has to be punished. The price has to be paid. And for us, it is Jesus who has paid that price. And so even, even though if we stand before God or sit here today in the grace of God, it's not that our sin just doesn't matter or doesn't count No, our sin has been paid for. It's not just, it it, it didn't just disappear just to disappear. Our sin was taken away because Jesus took our sin for us on the cross. And so when we speak of the grace of God, let us return to the courtroom. So you have committed the crime, and the punishment for the crime is that you receive 10 years in prison. And the judge says to you, not only do you not have to serve the 10 years in prison, but the judge says to you, all right, I'm not going to make you serve the prison sentence. Instead, I'm going to give you two-week vacation to Hawaii, all expenses paid. Now, that is grace. That is giving you what you do not deserve. And that is what God does. He gives us what we do not deserve. He gives us something above and beyond what we deserve through Jesus Christ. When we stand before God on the day of judgment god would be right in saying you have sinned and you don't deserve to be in my presence therefore i'll place my wrath upon you god would be right and just in saying that and had he not sent jesus christ to die for us that is exactly what god would say to each and every one of us in this room but instead god has said this other person is going to pay the price for you he's going to he's going to take your punishment he's going to take your 10-year sentence and I'm going to allow you to live in paradise forever. Well, that's the grace of God. And so when we talk about God, we have to know that God is all of these things. He is justice, excuse me. He is just, he is merciful, and he is gracious. Now, sometimes we may be tempted to say, when speaking of a just God, we say, Oh, yeah, we that's that God of the Old Testament, that wrathful God, but that's not the God of the New Testament. Well, hold on. I don't know that that's really a good argument to make. We may say, well, since Jesus came, grace has come, and therefore God is not who he he was in the Old Testament. But we talked about last week the fact that God has not changed. We see the grace of God in a perfect and beautiful way through Jesus Christ, but that does not negate... Negate the other aspects of God's character that God is just. Now, you may look in the Old Testament and say, Ah, with a flood, God destroyed all those people. And, and uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, God destroyed them. Or, or other occasions where God's wrath was, was brought down on people. Certainly, we can find plenty of occasions in the Old Testament. But in reality, the Old Testament stretches, what, 5,000 years? And so the fact that we could come up with 20 examples of the wrath of God, of God striking people... Well, that's that seems like a lot. We see that a lot through the Old Testament, but it covers a large span of time. As to where in the New Testament, we are only looking at about a 40-year span. Yet, even in that 40-year span, we see the wrath of God. For instance, Ananias and Sapphira—they sold some land and they said that they were were giving all that land for the Lord's work. Uh, Oh, this is how much we sold it for, and all this we're giving to the Lord's work. Come to find out, they lied. They sold it for more. And they got found out. And what did God do? He struck them dead. The same could be said of Herod in Acts chapter 12. Uh, Herod was uh, was struck with, uh, uh, infected with worms and died. And so there's a couple of examples of God still bringing wrath on people in the New Testament. So, hey, this is the same God of the Old Testament. It's the same God of the New Testament. Is there grace in Jesus Christ? Absolutely. Is there mercy for all in this world today? I believe there is. There are many people. That live in a lot of sin, maybe even us on occasion. But yet God is merciful to us. But the question is, what will we do at the end of it all? At the end of this life of mercy, will we receive the wrath of God or the grace of God? And that question can only be answered if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ. So to recap what we've talked about tonight, God is just, God is merciful, and God is gracious and these are three more very important aspects of the nature of who god is and last or excuse me next week lord willing uh, we will look at three more aspects and that will wrap up this series through the nature of god we've got some food over there so please don't run off we uh i'm gonna say it's a closing prayer we're gonna bless the food and as soon as we get it set up y'all dig in let's pray father god we come to you we thank you for a good day We thank you for your word, even the tough stuff, dear Lord. In some way, it's pretty scary to think about that you are a just God. But, dear Lord, sometimes it's that fear that keeps us on the straight and narrow and keeps us where we need to be. God, we certainly thank you for your mercy that you are long-suffering with us, not giving us what we deserve. But even more so, dear Lord, we thank you for your grace through Jesus Christ that you give us what we don't deserve. But it came at a cost, dear Lord. You didn't just decide one day you were going to give us grace. No, to be able to do that, it cost you your son. It cost Jesus his life. But we thank you that Jesus gave his life so that we could be forgiven and receive grace and live in your grace. So God, help us to live in your grace tonight and be effective in your grace that we have received. I thank you for this food that's been prepared. I pray that you bless it. I pray that you give us a good night, a good safe trip home, and a good week. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen.